Good morning, church family. Happy New Year. Feliz Año Nuevo. Uh, happy 2022. Can you believe that? 2022. Someone told me that in the, do you remember the Jetsons? The, 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 uh, in Spanish, we, I, I used to watch that in Mexico. It's called Los Supersonicos. And um, someone told me that in the Jetsons, uh, um, what's the name of the main character? Josh? Is it Josh? George Jetson? George, George, he's around 40, and the show takes time in 2062. Um, so George Jetson is about to be born this year. Can, can you imagine that? I mean, it's, we used to watch these shows, and we are living in times that it's, uh, it's amazing how, how the world is moving, and, and, and it's also amazing to see how God is still faithful with his church and with his people and accomplishing his purposes for his glory. So it's a, it's a blessing for me to be here and to welcome you to this um, time in the Word. Also for the people that are watching from wherever you're watching and worshiping with us online. Uh, for some of you that maybe are part of our uh, church family but are traveling, uh, you just escaped a snowstorm yesterday. It wasn't one of those big ones, but still it's enough to make the streets messy enough that you get... Uh, other people nervous about when are you going to arrive to church. <laughs> but uh, it's good that you here. It's good that we are here. Thank, thank you for being here this morning and, and worshiping the Lord. Uh, as you know, we are in this series, this just short series, uh, Unplugged, that we have called Unplugged. And it's how we, we learn to, to disconnect in this over and saturated and hyper connected world. And we uh, intentionally wanted to. St- finish the year, and begin the new year uh, having these spiritual practices in mind. And I don't know if you, how you felt last week, but I was very convicted about, um, about our need of resting because I believe that uh, we live in a world that is just the opposite of that. And today, um, we're going to meditate on, on retreat. How do we take time to retreat from everything? And spend time, time with God. So I'm going to uh, invite you, as we uh, do every Sunday, to stand up, please, for the reading of the text of this morning, which will be in Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verses 7, then 12, 13, and then 30, 32. The Word of God says, And he, Jesus, called the twelve and began to send them out two by two. And gave them authority over the unclean spirits. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they have done and and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves. To a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray once again. Father, uh, once again we come to you in need of you. Holy Spirit of God, we open ourselves to you. Will you 
as we were singing, speak the word of God into our lives, into our minds, into our souls, into our affections and our emotions, uh, into our fears and our doubts, so that we will be transformed by the proclamation of your word in your power, Holy Spirit, by the glory of God the Father in Jesus' name. And the church says, Amen. You may be seated, church. Thank you. This is uh, the passage uh, Eric preached on Hebrews 3 and 4 last week, if you remember, reminding us that resting for the believer is more than just a day or a specific time, which we should, as a spiritual discipline, find time to rest. But for the believer, especially uh, coming from Hebrews 3 and 4, we know that the rest of the believer comes not from a day, but from a person, Jesus. And Jesus himself is the rest of God for the family of God. We were reminded of that last week. So last week, I had the opportunity to preach at Iglesia, and I preached this same passage in Mark 6 for rest. And today, I will be preaching on, on retreat. Because in this passage, I understand you see both. You see Jesus speaking to his disciples. And, and we see at the beginning of Mark 6 that he sends them with a mission to accomplish. He says, go, preach the, the kingdom of God, heal the people that need to be healed, rebuke the demons that need to be rebuked, and, and then come back. And then when they came back, the scripture says that, uh, that they came back after the work that they have done. Remember this uh, Genesis, after the work that God has done, he rested. So Jesus tells them, come and let's, let's rest. Let's rest and let's go to a desolate place, to a place far away from everyone because uh, the Gospel of Mark says that they, there were so many people coming and going, like our society today, people that are not thinking about resting, people that are just uh, surrounded about problems and, 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 and things that they don't even know how to deal with life. And that was the, the same uh, with the people back then. They, they're just coming and going. They're looking for the disciples they're looking for Jesus, and Jesus says, let's, let's come, let's, let's retreat ourselves. And, and he takes them into the boat, and they find a desolate place. So the first thing that I want you to notice is in the verse 31, Mark 6, 31, that says, Jesus, he said to them, come with me. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Speaking about rest last week, and now speaking about retreat, we don't do these things. We're not called just to rest because. We're not called to retreat just because. The reason why we're called to do these things is because Jesus himself is the one inviting us to do these things. See, Jesus didn't say to the disciples, okay, guys, uh, great job. Now, take a quiet time. Go somewhere. I'm going to keep here ministering to all the people. And you guys go and rest. What Jesus is saying is come with me. So the rest and the retreat for the people of God is not something that we do for God. It's something that we do with God. It's something that we do with Jesus. It's a spiritual practice that we do not just for him so that he can be pleased. But it's a spiritual practice that we do with him. He is the one inviting us. God, we saw it last week, he rested, and that's why he invites us through Jesus to rest. 
Now here, we see Jesus, and we're going to see it all over the, the Gospels. Jesus often would take time to retreat and seek God in the quiet and in the silence. So it's, it's Jesus the one who's calling us. I want you to keep that in mind as we move towards the different verses of this morning. It's Jesus the one calling you to rest. Jesus is the one calling you to retreat and to seek him. Once again, Mark 6, 31st, but I now have another word highlighted. He said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place. Can you say with me desolate place? Desolate place and rest a while. This is the, ES, this is the ESV. Uh, and, and, and the word desolate place literally means the wilderness. It's the same word that we find in, in the scripture. It's the same word. The wilderness, a desolate place. When we, at the beginning of Mark, when we read in Mark that Jesus came and he went to, be, uh, to the water to be baptized and, and there's a voice from heaven saying this, you are my son whom I love you uh, and I'm in, well pleased with you. If you keep reading Mark chapter 1, the beginning of Mark, uh, you're going to find these verses, Mark 1, 12 and 13. This spirit immediately after Jesus has been baptized, immediately drove him out into the wilderness. That word, the wilderness, is exactly as the, the desolate place. It's the one that Jesus is telling them, let's find a desolate, a desolate place. Now, here we see, we're seeing that the Spirit of God is driving Jesus out into the wilderness. Verse 13. And he was in the wilderness 40 days. What was happening there? He was being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals. And the angels were ministering to him. And see, here we see exactly the same thing. Jesus is calling the disciples to a retreat, to the wilderness, to a desolate place. Here we see the Spirit of God calling out Jesus to the retreat, to the wilderness, to a desolate place. When we read that Jesus was being tempted and was among wild animals and angels, um, when I was reading the different teachers and theologians, there's, there's two different perspectives about how to interpret that he was among wild animals and angels. Some believe that this is a reference of because Jesus is the second Adam, Jesus is coming now to renew creation by, his, by the, the, the redemption through him. And he's like a second Adam. This is like a, like, like another, a new retelling of creation. It's a new creation. So Jesus in the Eden, in the desert, is like he's among the animals and angels are serving him. Now, another set of theologians believe that the phrase wild animals refers to what we read on Jesus being tempted by the, by the enemy. And it's actually demons that are there. If you think about it, the desolate place, the wilderness, in this case for Jesus, is a place where he sees God moving, the angels, and when he sees the enemy moving, the demons. He's being himself tested in the wilderness. When we are alone, we are tested because the wilderness is the place of strength. 
See, think about this. Jesus spends 40 days seeking God in this retreat. Seeking after him. Contemplating him. Imagine how he is in communion with the Father. And after those 40 days, the enemy comes and tempts him. And it, it, it makes sense. Because the enemy wants to come and try, try to bring doubts or defeat to someone that has been so strengthened by the presence of God the Father. So usually when we think about the wilderness, the retreat, we think about the temptation. But the reason the temptation comes is because in the wilderness is when we are being strengthened. That's what we see in, in Jesus. And just as Jesus calls his disciples to retreat to this desolate place, to this wilderness, the Holy Spirit calls Jesus. And Jesus calls us today to retreat, to take time away. Now, this makes us all nervous. And this makes me nervous. Because there's some of us that we don't like silence. And if there's something very prevalent in the wilderness, in the desolate place, is silence. I don't know about you. There's some people that are very good with silence. Like my wife, she can work the whole day without having any noise or music around her. She's an accountant, so she works from home. She has her home office. And she can spend there hours. And there's nothing playing. And I'm like, how can you live like this? I, I, I go, go into my car and I put music. And then I go home and then I put music. And all the time, sometimes I'm working on my laptop in a family room. And I just put the news. Because I want something going on. Now, that's not very good. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. I, at least I've seen it in myself. I don't like silence because in silence, I'm just with me. And when I'm with me, I'm being reminded of all the things that I haven't done. And I'm telling myself, Sergio, you need to finish this and you need to finish that. And remember this other thing. And, and I don't like silence because silence confronts me with me. And as I've been studying last week for our message of last week and this week for this message i've been so confronted by god about this and i've been purposely trying to have times of silence it's hard <laughs> it's hard after a few minutes it's okay done let me put some news uh, listen to uh, what this um um teacher of the scripture adele calhoun in, in, in her book spiritual Dis disciplines says about quietness in quietness, we often notice things we would rather not notice or feel. Pockets of sadness or anger or loneliness or impatience begin to surface. Our own outer agenda looms larger than our desire to be with God in silence. And as the silence settles in and nothing seems to be happening, we often struggle with the feeling that we are wasting Everything we notice in this struggle can become an invitation to prayer. Like a can opener, the silence opens up the contents of the heart, allowing us deeper access to God than we experience at other times. What she is proposing here 
is the silence. It's like a can opener. I love that illustration. In the same way that you open up a can, silence opens up our hearts to God, but also to ourselves. And that's why we don't like it that much. So if I can point out three things that happens when we go to the wilderness, to the retreat, to the desolate place with God. Number one, it will be that we retreat to face ourselves. We retreat to face ourselves. That's on one of the lines that we hit, yeah. We retreat to face ourselves. Look at, let's go back again to Mark 6.31 and highlight another word. He said to them, Jesus, come away by yourselves. This is not the people, even though there's a lot of need. There's a lot of needs. People are seeking God and seeking miracles. Come by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. I, I believe that nobody likes themselves in the wilderness. I don't like myself in the wilderness. I don't like myself in the desolate place. I like what other people see of me in the public place. I like what people see of me in my Instagram page where everybody's smiling and you took the picture like five or six times to see which one are you going to post. That's what I like, that people will see me like this. I like when people see me uh, in a Sunday morning with everybody's very nice dress and everybody is coming to worship and we have sing worship, uh, beautiful worship songs and everybody is enjoying God's presence and one another. I like people see me in this context, but, and I like myself in this context, but when I'm by myself, Sometimes I don't like myself that much. When I'm in the wilderness, I don't like myself that much because the only people in the wilderness, in the retreat place, in the desolate place with me is God and the wild animals, my own fears and demons speaking out to me nonstop and bringing doubt and fear. So I don't like it. And I don't know if there's anybody that likes it. That's why we call it spiritual discipline. You force yourself to go into that. Our whole culture, our whole society, they don't like that. See, that society has made an art of escaping the wilderness. It's, it's everywhere. The, the most powerful companies in the world... Some of the most powerful companies had to do with this. How do you escape the wilderness? If you think about all the sports, all the communications industry, all the social media industry, all the entertainment industry, that that's why it's called entertainment, because you want to entertain yourself so you don't go there. And you find ways to escape that place. And our culture is an expert in giving us tools of how to escape the retreat. See, uh, one, of the greatest, one of the greatest tragedies and greatest sufferers, sufferings of our time, it's boredom. It feels like boredom now is a capital sin. You cannot be bored. Uh, uh, I remember my kids uh, when they were 
preteens some years ago telling me, like, I'm bored. I'm bored. And I'm like, we'll find something to do. <laughs> it almost feels like part of the responsibility of parents today is keep their kids entertained so they're not bored. And, and I was reading about the importance of boredom. See, boredom was, was given to us also by God. Because in boredom, when, when you're bored, it forces your imagination, right, to start working. That's what happens when you give, you, you give your kids all these expensive Christmas toys, and two hours later, where boredom kicks in, they end up playing with what? With the boxes of the toy, right? And why is it they keep playing? They, they can play hours with the box, <laughs> and they put away the toy that cost you $300. Because boredom is healthy. Boredom makes us imagine and think and wonder. As I was reading this, I was meditating that boredom takes me out of myself. Makes me think of things that I should be doing or thinking. Boredom makes me think beyond me. Makes me look for someone greater than me. I believe that it is healthy to be bored and to feel bored because it reminds me that entertainment is not the king of my life. Andy Crouch, uh, a believer, a teacher, and a sociologist, he says this, boredom is actually a crucial warning sign as important in its own way as physical pain. He says that boredom is equals physical pain because it's a warning in our minds and in our physical body. It's a sign that our capacity for wonder and delight or our contemplation, our attention has been dangerously depleted. It's like an empty tank. You're going, you need to fill the tank, you need to fill the tank. And when you feel boredom, it's like, I need to go back to wonder. I need to go back to feel life. The wilderness reminds me of the need of that. Re the wilderness reminds me of the need of denying myself to running into entertainment. To feel myself just precisely that, entertained. Think about this. What is it that you used to do years ago, let's say 15 years ago, for those of us that... Uh, the 15 years ago, we already had access to technology and jobs and etc. 15 years ago, when we had no um, access to technology like we have today, you would go to a place and make a line to something, uh, form a line into, I don't know, go into the supermarket or the bank or whatever we had to do before all the technology that we had. And if you were waiting, what is it that you used to do? You just look around and see the sky, or talk to the person in front of you, behind you. Now, today, I'm not talking about teenagers and, 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 and young, young people. You, adults, elderly, everyone. What do you do when you are in a line? We take our phones out. That's what happens when you see people eating by themselves in a place. Everybody's with their phones because we don't like this. But we need it. We need it. 
Jesus calls us in Matthew 16 to, to, to come after him. Another invitation, another whole invitation. Come after me. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Listen to this uh, quote, this one we have on screen. This is uh, from the amazing book, uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry of John Mark Comer. He says this. Um, oh, I'm sorry. No, this one we don't have. I'll read it to you. Uh, he says that uh, those moments that we experience boredom are invitations from God to experience him in prayer. Little moments through our days to wake up to the reality of God around us. Boredom is an invitation from God to experience Him during our day. Now, when we come into the retreat, into the wilderness, into this slate place, and we face ourselves, and we pass this, we know that we have called to Contemplate God. So number two, the second thing that happens when we retreat is that we retreat to contemplate God. Because what you want to do in the desolate place is not just focus on you. I mean, you, you are facing yourself. Now you want to get out of yourself into what? Uh, Eastern religions tells you that the key of meditation is that. It's just Get out of yourself, but then what? Think of nothing. Put your mind in blank. And the scripture never calls us to that. The scripture calls us to what? To meditate on God. To behold God's glory. To remember his promises. To remember his goodness. Meditation for the believer, for the Christian. It's an act where our mind and our emotions are engaged in contemplating God. Look what Psalm 63 verse 1 says. This is the psalmist. This is a prayer of the psalmist. It says, oh God, you are my God earnestly. Like I need this. I need to face the silence and the boredom and pass that and earnestly seek you. Because my soul thirsts for you and my flesh faints for you and of course this is poetry but in the midst of the poetry we can see something that the psalmist is saying that this need of God I feel it in my emotions it is a reality in my emotions in my affections but it's also a reality in my physical body I need to stop I need to slow down and I need to retreat I cannot continue with this speed that the world is calling me to go Next verse says, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. It's, Lord, I know that I need you, and I'm stepping into this moment to seek you. I need to seek you. I need to see you. I need to hear you. I need to feel you. I need to behold you. And then verse 3 says, because your steadfast love is better than life. Because right there is when the pers everything starts to get perspective. His covenantal love is the most important thing in life. 
all other things will take their time and their place. But it's when I'm there with him that things take their proper place. This is, see, retreating into the wilderness. It's not the same going isolation as going for solitude. There's a difference between isolation and solitude. Isolation seeks loneliness with the in, without intention. You just want to be alone. And it's an, actually it's like emotional mechanism that we have. We don't want to deal with people. We're tired. We just want to be alone. Isolation is not the same as solitude. Solitude is an intentional discipline of seeking to be alone with God. Now, this is true in, 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 this, in these two different scenarios, in these two different realities. When we talk about wilderness, when we talk about the desolate place, when we talk about the desert, whatever word you put in there, and, and the place where you go and see God, there's, there are two realities in Scripture. One is when you retreat purposely to seek God in solitude. There's another reality when God allows me to go through this difficult time in my life. And we call it also the desert. Or we call it the wilderness. And it's basically, even though one is me going and the other one is God taking me there, it's basically the same place because we go there Remember that we depend in God and God alone. That we don't depend in our own strength. That's what we saw last week. Hebrews 3 and 4, they retell the story of Psalm 95. 95, not 65, 95. Psalm 95, when the people in the desert saw themselves and they complained against God. Instead of contemplating Him and beholding Him, they were complaining and they were uh, un, un, ungrateful. And God says, you cannot rest like that. You will never come into my rest. Because rest starts with the posture of your heart. See, rest, retreat, is not escaping from something. God does not call you to the desert or to the wilderness. Either if you go there by yourself or if he's allowing a season of your time, of your life, when you're going through a desert like what we call it. God does not call you to the desert to escape from X. God calls you to the desert to contemplate him. That's the reason why he calls us into solitude, into the desolate place. When God is speaking to his people in Hosea chapter 2, he tells them, I, I will bring you to the wilderness, and there, there, I will speak tenderly to your heart. God says, I will bring you to the wilderness, and I will speak into your heart. Like the Spirit calling Jesus into the wilderness. Like Jesus calling his disciples into a desolate place. Like God calling you and me in 2022, we need to come to desolate places to seek Him. This, this do I have in the in the in the screen from the same John Mark Comer book. Solitude is engagement. 
Isolation is escape. Solitude is safety. Isolation is danger. Solitude is how you open yourself up to God. Isolation is painting a target on your back for the tempter. Solitude is when you set aside time to feed and water and nourish your soul, like Psalm 63. To let it grow into health and maturity. Isolation is what you crave when you neglect the former. And beloved family, what we need in this 2022 is not, it, this has been hard years. We all know that. I remember when it was, it was something good to say like, oh, we're going through a hard year. And then suddenly a year became two years. <laughs> and now, who knows? I, we were the other day, the, the other day we were in a staff, in our staff uh, Christmas celebration. I was, I think it was sitting with Eric. And then Hannibal was leading the whole staff. And then he said, Lord, and with, with Thankful to you that you have been faithful to us in these last two years, 2019, 2021. And then I said to Eric, he didn't say 2020. <laughs> and I told him, I think it's in his mind, he just deleted it. <laughs> and then we told Hannibal, you didn't say 2020. It's like 2020 is like a blip in like, what happened? We don't know what 2022 is going to have. I remember when 2020 was coming it, because of the coolness of the 2020. People were saying, oh, this is the year. This is the year that I'm going to have perfect vision for God. I'm going to do these things for God. And God is going to be with me 2020. And then suddenly 2020 was, God took us to the desolate place. What is 2022 going to bring? Well, I pray that whatever he brings, you will remember that God is waiting for you in the silence, in solitude. That there is a rest prepared for you, for the family of God, made possible by Jesus himself. And he is inviting us with him to these places of rest and retreat. The last thing that I want to notice that we see in, in the scripture, and when we go to this desolate place with this retreat, number three is that we retreat to be renewed for the good of others. We retreat to be renewed, not just for our own sake, but for the good of others. When we keep reading the story in Mark 6, when we read verse 33, after Jesus tells them, they go to a desolate place, look what it says. Now many saw them going. And recognize them. So this is the people. They saw the disciples and Jesus going to the boat. They saw them going. They recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns. And got there ahead of them. So they're going out to rest and retreat. And the people already caught them. And said, they're going over there. Let's go. Verse 34. When he went ashore. This is Jesus. He saw a great crowd. And he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and he began to teach them many things now in mark 6 it never tells us if the disciple managed to retreat and rest because what we see in this passage is that jesus tells them they go to that place and rest and retreat but when they get there all the multitude is there but now the disciples are not ministry now it's jesus his heart of compassion feels 
for the multitude. Maybe the disciples only had that time in the boat with Jesus. That's all the time they had. Jesus calls them to rest after the work that they have done for him. And then Jesus calls him to retreat with him. And I believe that by doing this, just Jesus having, even if he was a short period of time with them, he wanted to teach them that you are renewed just being in the presence of Jesus. You are renewed. Your emotions come down. You gain perspective again. You contemplate him. You hear him. Because can you imagine where was the ego of the disciples after seeing all these miracles of God? Can you imagine? Can you imagine they're coming back? The need never stops because people were coming and going. They didn't even have time even to eat. And Jesus tells them, stop. Let's go over there. Spend time with me. This is what I'm afraid that we've seen so many times. That this could be you in your household, with your family, in your job, in your work. Even some of us that we do this full time doing what we call ministry. Because what you do is ministry as well. You do that for God's glory and for the good of others. Whatever you do. But when we do this serving the church, the need's never going to stop. And sometimes we feel that we don't even have time. And that's in your case, our case, all of us. If we don't have time to stop and be with Jesus, we're going to feel the need to keep doing the same thing. And after seeing what God did and all the miracles... I imagine the ego of the disciples was like, remember there's a time when they have seen God's miracles and then they see other people not following them. They say, Jesus, do you want us to pray for, um, what does it say? Um, uh, strike, um, what do you call it? Rayo. A strike. Uh, lightning strike. Thank you. Do you want us to call for a lightning strike to destroy them after being ministering to Something happens in our hearts when we, feel, when we see God moving in our midst. Suddenly we feel super important. I believe that Jesus is stopping them from going there. Telling them, no, 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 don't go to them. Come with me. Let's take a time with us. And then Jesus is the one who goes and responds to them. And, and he feels compassion for them. Why? Because Jesus has been doing this all his life. He's just teaching them to have times of rest and times of retreat but Jesus has been training this all his life since Mark 1 and then you see the gospel and Jesus is doing that all the time going by himself going by himself to seek the father resting and retreat was so natural for Jesus that is why he naturally responds for the good of others that's what you and me need perspective when we are with him so that we come back, we can be renewed to serve our family, to serve our loved ones, to serve our neighbor, to save our church. Well, that's why Jesus being so trained in this, he, in the end of his life, he experienced a completely different kind of retreat. Again, the book of Hebrews it's going to give us about that. It's going to tell us about that glimpse of what happened 
in, in the writer of Hebrews will say that in chapter 13 that uh, in the same way when there was an offering, an animal was offered as an offering for sin, they will take the animal out to the wilderness. This, the writer of Hebrews says that Jesus himself suffered outside. Now this is a different kind of retreat. It's not, it's not the same word. It's just that I believe that that truth, that Jesus was cast out of the city for our sin. And, and Hebrews says, in order to sanctify us by his blood. So Jesus endured a different kind of retreat. A retreat from God's presence at the cross. So that you and I can enjoy today a retreat with God's presence. See, that kind of retreat being cast out from God's presence by his mercy. If you are a follower of Jesus, you don't have to experience that. He went through the cross. He experienced that for our sake. And I just pray that uh, as he lived his life being intentional, seeking God, taking these times with God, we as his church can learn to, to retreat, to to be present with ourselves first. Facing ourselves and be present with ourselves. Facing what we have to face. So that we can be present with God. Because contemplating Him, beholding Him is what's going to transform us. So that when we are renewed, we can go to everyone and then be present with others. That's our prayer. Let's pray. Father God, I, uh, I confess my need of true resting and true retreat. I confess, Lord, that I don't like it. I confess that it's not natural to me. I confess that it takes a lot from me. But Lord, more than ever, I see in my soul needing me so much. Holy Spirit of God, even though we are still learning how to do these things as, as a church family, will you teach us? We know that none of us are experts, that we struggle, that we contend to have times like that, but we still messed up many times. Father, forgive us. We, like the psalmist says, God, my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul needs you. My flesh needs you. Lord, I need to behold your glory and your power. Jesus, thank you for experiencing that Completely spiritual desolation, absence, the absence of God the Father at the cross for our sake. So that we would never say, God is not with me. 
teach us to treasure that presence, the presence of God in our lives with everything we have, to be so aware of his presence that this becomes like second nature, just like you, Jesus. Teach us as a church in all of our services and ministries and circles to be a church that we grow this year in learning how to rest, in learning how to retreat for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand up.